people and problems, but you were saying about how you... Oh, I was saying, yeah, um, I was saying when 2004, 2005, there were way more um, opiate meds than there were right. heroin available in a lot of places. Maybe not the inner city, but places like Florida. So I just, I pretty much have done all of them, and, you know, eventually did some from heroin, so, uh, tried that, did all of it, um, there was a lot of on and off because it was really expensive, I was losing my job, and I have any money to get them, so I would do a lot of detoxes, I don't even, I can't even count, I don't know how many, um, but I don't think I was ever really able to maintain an everyday habit for longer than a month and a half because of how expensive. Right. Uh, and what, 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 how, what did you, uh, what brought you to the Ivy game? So, uh, this is later on. Um, I, this was, I was doing opiates on and off for about seven years. And, um, the well, last actually, before, place that, before that, how did you, like, you said the detox, but you, uh, what was your experience with, like, the 12 step programs? Yeah, so that was the first thing, you know, that's like the only option that anyone ever gives you these days. Well, hopefully that's changing, but so, yeah, the first thing everyone does is tell you, they, you have to go to this meeting, and all the rehabs are called that based, so I went to this rehab in Belize, which I basically, my parents told me to pick one, and I basically picked it because it was in another country, and it sounded exotic and fun. Right. <laughs> so I went to this, to this one in Belize, it was 12-step based, and I was, yeah, you know, it just doesn't, 12-step doesn't leave a lot of room for anything other than, than one possibility. It doesn't really acknowledge your unique story and the factors that contribute to you leading to problematic substance use. You know, because once, right. once you subscribe to the disease concept, oh, it's just a disease, it gives no, leaves no room to explore your experience and all of the elements. Well, well I, I agree, but I, but I wanted to say something about that. That uh, I wonder if you saw that movie, The Business of Recovery. Yes, I have. One of the things that they pointed out, which which I thought was great, is that they said that even the uh, you know the Bill W didn't, didn't necessarily believe in the disease concept. Right, exactly. Bill W also did LSD later on in his life. Right. They don't mention it.
reductionist doesn't know it. But right. um, I, other than this one woman, I just did not, I didn't want to hang out with these people. I didn't want to go play volleyball. Like, everyone just felt so sick because right. everyone talked about, oh, I'm so sick, my disease. Right. I'm so helpless. And I, and I think that people need to be empowered. They don't need to be more powerless. I think people need to feel empowered and, like, they do have the power in Right. Um, and I ended up 
worked in was north of Puerto Vallarta, and they did it, instead of doing the one big dose, they administer very small amounts on a daily basis for longer periods of time, two to even up to six weeks, depending on what the person is coming for. And I actually saw some really amazing, long-lasting changes happen with people doing that method. Um, still think that big flood doses are also, but I think with the, with the small doses, it allowed people to kind of go about their day and do their daily activities while the medicine was still working on them. And so yeah. it was kind of easier to integrate the lessons that it was teaching you. Yeah, um, that's what I also wanted to ask so, you. I mean, I, I've heard uh, other perspectives that are really like, cool. Do you really feel that it helps you to like process your problems? So what, my, the small dosing or the big dosing? Or no, the Ibogaine itself. The whole, uh, yeah, oh, oh, definitely, definitely. Um, I I know someone who relived a childhood memory that had been completely blocked out of her mind. Right. I've heard of all, all kinds of stories like that. Yeah. Many good people. Yeah, I mean, it's, you'd be hard pressed to hear someone's I begin story where they didn't work out a trauma. Right. And how how many times have you uh, not had the, uh, the experience? Um, I've done big doses twice. On Guatemala in 2011, um, and then in 2014, when I, the first clinic I went to work at, um, I did a dose there as well. Um, and uh, I originally heard about, yeah? No, go ahead. I originally heard about, the, I think the guy's name is Justin Hoffman, that he's running this clinic, uh, yeah. it's like an aftercare, like after you do IV. Yeah. Do you know him? You know him? Yeah, I, I, well, I don't know him personally, but I knew of him. Um, I've read what he's doing. That's actually what we need more of in the IV community is, post, is uh, continuing care. Right. Because the problem is people have these huge experiences. Last same town, and they're same hospital, same people, and it's, you can't do that. I mean, some people can pull it off. It's about the same thing. So, one of the things we need is afterwards. Oh, well, yeah, the, the, uh, the, the area. Care. Yeah, continuing care is what we're calling it. Right. Um, so, what, what did it, like, how, what, what did you do after your uh, experience? You well, I didn't do what I... What I did is not what I would recommend to anybody. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, I did, I went back to Florida because I had to stay at my mom's house. Um, but as, as soon as I came out of the experience, I was on a mission. Yeah. I knew exactly what I wanted to do and I was focused on it and I felt clear and excited. And so that's kind of what pulled me through everything. Um, I went back to Naples. I worked in a restaurant for three months, saved up a bunch of money, moved to San Francisco. Um, worked in San Francisco, got my EMT certification because I wanted to have more medical knowledge to deal with. I began emergencies. Um, right. So I was in San Francisco. Um, then I went and worked in clinic. I left San Francisco and went to South Africa to work in my first clinic in 2014. Um, and yeah, so. Uh, what I did, like, I was just on a mission, 
and that can mean a variety of different things, but like say if somebody has some close friends that felt, you know, inspiring or on a similar path in another city, I would say go and live there and get into therapy. Um, Like, I I think that it's really important to change where you're at. And a lot of people do go home to the same place and they are okay, but there there was just no way that I was ever going to live in Florida again. I only went back to get some money together, you know? Um, People really need to do something different afterwards, and therapy is key. I didn't go get therapy, (laughs) but somehow I was on a mission for me to do. Well, but so... um yeah, but after, after, how did you end up in New York? So, um, I worked in clinic from 2014. Um, after my third clinic, I started to get this feeling like I wanted to, to really specialize in one aspect of IVG treatment and not just be like a provider. Um, like when I went to work in these clinics, I thought that, oh, I'm just going to be an IVG provider. But that didn't completely fulfill me, so I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I went back to San Francisco. I thought about becoming a physician's assistant because I am excited about the medical aspect of treatment. And so I, I took an anatomy class and realized immediately that the medical field is not the right thing for me. Um, and I realized that the psychological aspect is, and actually, that's been really clear for me my whole life. I was just kind of ignoring it in a way. Um, so I realized that I want to focus on psychology and substance use psychology. And I wasn't sure like where I was going to do that or what, but I came to New York to visit some of my IBD friends who I had worked with. Um, so it was April of last year, and I met Andrew Chitarski and I realized that um, I want to be in New York. I've always, I grew up visiting, I've always wanted to live here, and so that trip just kind of solidified it for me. And the new school is here, which has an amazing program for what I want to do. It's like, New York is kind of like the harm reduction in Ibogaine, capital of the U.S. It has like the highest concentration of people involved in drug policy. I mean, there's San Francisco. Yeah, the Bay Area does have it too, but there's something about the Bay Area that's very unreal in a way, at least for right. me. Um, it's very like dreamy and slow. I don't know. Like I, I I'm just uh, New York is more of my energetic yeah. frequency. I realize. Yeah. Yeah, I was asking you because I noticed it's sort of a uh, you know a connection between the music festival scene and the psychedelics and the harm reduction. I'm wondering if you're into that at all. Yeah, I mean, I went to Burning Man, like, uh, a little less than a year after I did Ivy Games, and it wasn't very inspiring, actually. No. Um, I just, because I was not using any substances, and everybody there was using, like, 10, I just right. realized that, I think, it just seems really wasteful and really self-indulgent, and right. there was a really beautiful aspect to it, definitely, I think there's some great things about it, but overall, I just felt kind of disappointed. Like a month later, I went to my first Ibogaine conference, and for me, that was like a big deal. That was my party man, because it was like like-minded people on a mission um, who were excited about the same things, and it was like really the first time that I felt like I had found my community in my life. Right. I mean, so that, that's one of the things that I, I, I really like. 
<laughs> Why? Because, well, I believe that he was God in human form, so there's not, of course I would want to have dinner with him. <laughs> right. But who, 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 would, would, be the, who would be the other person? The other person? It's a really tough question. Um, yeah, it's alright. Okay, so I got some other ones. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If you had a free month to do whatever you wanted, what 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 comes up in your imagination? Three months to do whatever. A, a one free month, a free month, single one. Yeah, what would you do? Um, well, there would definitely be travel involved for sure. That's like right. my favorite thing. It's always been a priority for me. So it would definitely be travel, but I would want to somehow like integrate it into the work I'm doing and um, like I would love to, to do harm reduction work overseas mm -hmm. so I would love what, to like what, uh, what weave that in well I've, I've always felt this pull towards the Middle East um, uh -huh. I've definitely Morocco's definitely on the list but I would definitely like to go deeper into the Middle East and do work with um, women with substance use issues, maybe in Iran okay. or Pakistan, um, because not only are substance users marginalized, imagine being a woman with substance use issues in a Muslim country. Yeah, oh, right. I mean, there's just must be nothing. I mean, it yeah. must be terrible. So that's well, what's your, uh, something what's I would your like to do. Background? What's my ethnic background? Yeah. Um, I'm half Italian, like Southern Italian. Sicilian uh -huh. and Calabrese, and then the other half is a mix from my mom's side of Swiss and some other Northern European elements. Yeah, yeah I, I guess I thought maybe you were part Italian or Irish. I would guess the Irish and Italian mixture. No, I don't, I don't have any Irish, but yeah. um, my grandfather was Swiss. Um, yeah, but my, actually, my last name is actually my is actually my stepdad's last name, so I'm not okay. actually Irish. Yeah. But um, but actually related to that, it's an area of, I I I crossed my mind in my head about some of the power of psychedelics, uh, like 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 for example, like the, that Orlando guy, if, if he was given like uh, MDMA or or some type of I think MDMA would be the perfect thing to. Uh, to, to give more feelings of empathy, how, uh, if you could have prevented him doing that, that horrible act, that, that kind of a thing. Well, yeah, MDMA and just like long-term compassionate therapeutic care. And well, right. Who, but, but, I mean, who are that angry, angry at the world? Yeah. It's, I mean, I think it's really a long-term thing that would have to happen. It's really society that breeds this kind of stuff. I agree. Maybe. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's it's not about it's not about substance use issues aren't about the person that's using the substance. It's about the entire society, the family, and the society in general. And, and sure, no, I agree. With the, with the addiction treatment world, is all the focus gets put on this one person, but it's about everybody. Right. This person, well, this person can come out of nowhere. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with it, but, but it's also, and that's one of the things that I really fear, that, that the way, uh, a lot of it that I, I've seen recently, that, you know, when it becomes that, you know, we shouldn't be, uh, you know, locking people up in this country, whether this country with substance use laws, we should get them to treatment, but then the treatment is so prohibitionist, and so it's all step-based, and it, it try to treat it you know, the disease model, all that stuff, but I just feel like it's so very dangerous to deliver it off I really hope I see the day where the disease model is officially denounced by the by NIDA. That's like my big dream. I went to the Drug Policy Alliance conference last year and we had a panel on the addiction concept and NIDA was there. Uh -huh. um, so they were one of one of the representatives representatives on the panel. So they really got called out and kind of ripped to shreds. It was, uh, <laughs> it was really interesting. Yeah. Well, what is this? I saw some reference about this big uh, upcoming harm reduction thing. What is that? Um, yeah, in San Diego in November. Well, that's the San Diego one. Okay. Uh -huh. uh, so. Um, Another question I got: that I, What would you say? What things in your life, in your nourish you in your daily life? How do, how do you uh, how do you take care of yourself? Um, exercise, like really intense exercise, is like my big thing that's really helped me in my brain chemistry and just feeling good. Um, so I like to do these really intense exercise? group workout okay. classes, okay. Um, like these intense group workout classes, boot campy type. Right. Um, so that's a really big thing for me. I eat like really healthy. I, I only shop at the health store. Like I recently have stopped eating wheat for the most part. I don't eat processed sugar. Um, sugar is like if I could give one big recommendation to anyone, I use the opportunity to quit sugar because it is yeah. a really really difficult one. It'll really mess with your serotonin your brain's repair system. Um, it know about your opiate receptors. That's interesting. But, uh, I mean, I know it's bad for your yeah. liver, and I, I mean, it's so bad for a lot of things, but it's so, it's, it's, it is very challenging yeah, to for, cut it out. They, well, there are amazing health food store products that are delicious and don't use sugar. Like, I, I buy these amazing things called um, Hail Mary's Miracle Tarts, and it's like these uh -huh. incredible chocolate tarts and they use a uh, really high grade maple syrup to sweeten it. And maple syrup is processed more slowly by your body. So there's a lot of stuff like that. Like I still love Oh, I know there are, but it really cut out but, sugar but, entirely. Not, I mean, I, I try to eat pretty good too, but to really get rid of no sugar. All you gotta do is find the, find replacement the store. And it's easy. Yeah. Is it? Um, Coconut, coconut well, what are you, uh, what do you say? Oh, nothing, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was saying, when are you starting the, uh, the new school program? Um, at the end of this month. And, uh, no, but I, I, it's really exciting for me. I, I haven't, I mean, I've been in New York City, but I haven't really engaged with all that uh, uh, harm reduction community there, but it, it does seem very awesome to how, how involved, like, like, see at least online and social media, which, 
Well, I'm trying to get, I've been trying to get something going more down in South Florida, Miami area, but as you know, it's just it's a, very, it's a challenging environment in Florida, and it's all step thing. It's yeah. so so pervasive down here. And I don't, have you ever been to Delray Beach? Uh, yeah, it's like the 12 rehab halfway home capital, right? Right. And I was there uh, over the weekend that they had this. I don't know if you know who he was, he was a former NBA player. He called himself Meta World Peace now. He he gave a little motivational talk to the whole like a big group, twelve step group, got him down there. And I was really tempted to take a picture of all these people because some of them look so idiotic and just taking a picture of them and saying that if, if this is what recovery looks like, I don't want to be sober. <laughs> I didn't do it, but. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but they just look, I mean, just the, like as you were saying before, a lot of people just look so sick. I mean, it's, 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 the whole And it just so talks like, about how sick and how hard everything is. I'm sick, I'm diseased. I mean, I don't see how that's going to help you heal or move on with your life. If you're saying you're yeah, sick and you have a disease every day, you haven't right. done drugs in 20 years and you're still saying that you're sick. Right. We all have. And one, one other all point that I. I want to, I'd like to bring up as one of your take on it, which is another issue I really have against it is that they're also very, like, to me, I, I believe that everybody, it's a human thing to have the capacity to, to use drugs or other things in a compulsive way to, you know, relieve pain, to whatever, to, to escape the, your existential angst or whatever you want to call it, but, but it, it but they sort of divided that there's sort of like normal people and then there's addicts, they're like kind of a, a different type of human, which I think is very uh, right. damaging. Yeah, there's something really, I think there's something really um, negative about that. Like there's something really harmful about ingraining that concept in people. I can see how it, people see that it's helpful. Because um, it's like, oh, it gives them this explanation. But ultimately, we don't need to isolate people we, we, any more than we already do. Oh, you're in this right. different group of people. Oh, look at that. I just, yeah. that, it never helped me out. No, I, they also, even within the whole thing, it's uh, that it's uh, like, you know, that there's somebody who's an IV drug user, but they're, you know, they're different from the alcoholic. There's all these you know, little micro distinctions. Oh, right, yes. Or I, someone recently was saying to me that during UNGA, um, you know, the UN Assembly on Drugs that just happened in April. Did you know about this? Um, yeah, no, no, I did hear about it. I don't know if you know, there's a guy I connected with that he was involved with, Sterla, you know who he is, in Norway? What's his name? His, name is, his first name is Sterla. I don't know. Oh, okay. But I heard about it. Yeah, I, I got to attend actually and actually attend the UN sessions. This is interesting, disappointing, but still interesting. Um, somebody who was there was mentioning that they were at a, a meeting with like all these South Asian, Southeast Asian countries. Um, all of their heads, like they're basically their DEA people from the Southeast Asian yeah. countries. And you know, there they have the death penalty for drugs. There's a very negative outlook on drug users there. I mean, in the Philippines right now, I don't know if you've been reading this, their yeah, president is telling people to kill addicts. Right. And, and right. Thailand did that in the early 2000s 
too. Their war on drugs is basically murdering people. Right. Yeah, it's Some kind of meeting with these people, and he was trying to understand where they're coming from, and he was saying, meanwhile, they're all getting, drinking a bunch of alcohol and smoking cigarettes, and none of them could see the irony. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and that's also always been another gripe of mine with the 12-step 12, 12 thing is the, the, the coffee and the cigarettes, but that's permissible. I know. And the, and the, and the sugar, too. The sugar. There's a lot of hardcore sugar addicts. You know, there's a direct... Oh, yeah, and, and the monster energy between drinks. Sugar. And the, yeah. And there's a direct correlation between sweet tooth and um, clinical depression. I would be interested to see how, you know, what would happen if psychiatrists told people to quit eating processed sugar and start exercising and see how many people really needed medication then, you know? Right, no, I mean, the, the uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of the psychiatric, most of the psychiatric medication is pretty, uh, pretty garbage as far as i Garbage and completely uh, untested and it's reckless. They, they're just playing a science experiment with people's brain chemistry. You know, people. Well, and, and also, well, that's true. And it's also, I mean, to me, it's also a harm reduction perspective, which I've always thought about it. That, especially with, with people that are psychotic or, or labeled as schizophrenia, that the, uh, that's considered the worst. The schizophrenia is really considered the worst uh, mental disorder, but. But they're given the drugs that are the most neurotoxic, the most damaging to the brain that there are. The, the, the antipsychotics. They're just making people yeah. stupid. Which, you know, I read an article recently that, you know, in, in shamanic traditions all over the world, they consider people who are schizophrenic to be like shamans. They're connected right. to the other side. And so I read an article about this dad who took a schizophrenic son to Jamaica to this shamanic healer. Yeah, yeah, I saw that, yeah. He just, yeah, yeah it's, I mean, it's beautiful, it's amazing. I think there's something... Hello.